Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 214th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Rebel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, we actually watched some fun football on Saturday. Mess this Can up. Can we straighten that up? Okay, thanks. Yes, we did. Um, that's obviously what we're going to talk about. That's Mostly, why we're here. Uh, that Georgia game was actually fun. Football for the first time in a while. Um, what else do we have to talk about today? Mizzou, Mizzou basketball got a commitment. That's exciting. And there's some other news. Before we get into all of that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Leave us a review on the podcast platform. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. We're going to pick the SEC games later on and give our predictions for the Florida game. But we'll start with a little bit of news, just a couple notes here. Uh, football, there was a scheduling update for next year. Well, this, uh, there were some rumors that this was going to happen. But Missouri was supposed to play at Memphis, and now they would be playing Memphis in St. Louis at the Dome. What's yeah. it called again? The Dome at Edward, America Center. We didn't, it was Edward Jones Dome. It's they, not that anymore? No. Okay, I'm behind the times, apparently. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Ram, did they Rams u- left a long time ago. Did, <laughs> did they use that for anything? Like, I think they... I don't know. I have no random, idea. Some, just random... One of our listeners in St. Louis will be able to tell us what they yeah, do with that. They're already getting ready for the Mizzou game. They're just yeah. like already preparing for it because yeah. it's the only thing they're going to host. Yeah. Uh yeah, I, I mean, this is really cool. Um, it's going to be fun to play a game in the in the uh, in the dome. I almost called it the wrong name again, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like the aggressiveness from Mizzou's administration to say like, yeah, we don't love playing on the road at, at an inferior opponent. That's not in a Power Five conference, and uh, we're going to level the playing field a little bit here in our favor because we can do that. And I I, I like it. Yeah. And I love just kind of setting the stage for my dream scheduling of playing Illinois in the Dome again. That's and why we do it. I feel like we, you know, kick the tires a little bit on the Dome situation. And obviously it helps playing a game in St. Louis just with recruiting and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm all about that decision. Yeah, and I just have to win. Yeah, yeah. Win that game and then get Illinois on the schedule, mm. which I think there's it plans is. to play them. Yeah, it is. Um, we'll be like 50 years old at that point, but it's on the schedule. Yep. And then we just need to play Kansas in Kansas City, and I can die happy. Um, a little bit of basketball news. Mizzou basketball got a commitment from four-star forward Jordan Butler. Uh, he's listed anywhere between 6'10 and 7 feet tall, so he's a, he's a tall gentleman with long arms. He... Is kind of a stretch, stretch big man, and a good-looking shot. Um, I think he definitely looks like for a four-star player. He looks like more of a long-term, not really like a project. He's the kind of project player that we should have been that we should have been used to having from time to time, versus the ones that never play basketball anywhere in their entire career. We had those kind of projects yes, for a man. while. So uh, this looks like more like a normal um, 
fringe top 100 player who just needs to get his body right and get used to a college game and he should be a solid contributor Mm -hmm. before too long yeah i agree i mean he i mean you're not gonna find like crazy highlight reels of him dropping 25 points or something right now i mean he's clearly uh, a force on on the boards and on defense he can definitely shoot um he likes to hang out on the perimeter and i mean he, he definitely has good ball skills can dribble it around and pass and like you said shoot the three so you can see the makings of of a very good player in the future um definitely not a guy that's necessarily lighting up the scoreboard um right now but yeah i think he's a top 100 player definitely had some good competition that was that was interested in him so that's always a good sign that missouri's beating out um similar level programs for the players they want to land yeah yeah the top three were mizzou auburn and south carolina i read some reports that auburn was kind of out on him so make of that whatever you will maybe they knew they weren't getting him but seems like they weren't really pushing very hard towards the end and it really came down to Mizzou and, and uh, South Carolina. And He's from South Carolina, so right. he beat out the beat out the home team. Yep. Um, I did want to note. So now there's three commitments for Mizzou basketball for the 2023 class. They are all currently four star rated on Rivals and 24/7 Composite. The last time that we had a final recruiting class with four sorry three four-star players or better was 2017 when we had michael porter jr jante uh tillman and blake harris was a four-star player Uh, before that it was 2014 you might you might remember uh techie gil caesar jakeenan gant and naaman wright were all four-star players i remember it fondly That was actually, I mean, that was a pretty huge deal. That recruiting class, like at the time, keeping that together and getting those on those guys on campus was yeah. that was looking like the perfect start to yeah. the Cam Anderson era. Yeah, I'm glad it worked out. It worked out for some of those guys, just <laughs> <laughs> not not a Mizzou. No. All right, so let's get into what we're all here for: um, fun football. What a difference just like competing at a high level with a really good opponent in a great atmosphere what a difference it makes yeah that going from the auburn game which was both games disappointing finishes the auburn game though you wanted to you know gouge your eyes out the entire time Mm -hmm. and you know drink bleach but and then when it was over, it was like, finally, this mess is over, but it was a bad ending, so I'm just very upset by this whole thing. The Georgia game felt more like, you know, we had momentum for most of the game. This was really fun. The defense was incredible. And then it's still the number one team in the country. They still have better players, more depth. I can't be too bummed about this loss, and I am going to be excited that they competed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I told you guys this earlier, but, I mean, the the Auburn game was, like, immediate death. It was just, like, I felt awful. I was felt every emotion. We we threw the game away so many times, and, it like you said, it was just a completely awful game to watch. The Georgia game was, like, so fun, so enjoyable, um, uh, disappointing at the end, but I was kind of just, like, I'm just happy that we are – 
playing respectable football. But as the as the week has gone on, like I'm not gonna lie, it's kind of been a slow burn where I've kind of thought about it a little bit more. Like, man, we were so close to pulling off. I mean, one of the biggest wins Mizzou has ever had, mm-hmm. literally. Mm-hmm. Um, just program changing win was right in our grasp, and we, you know, Georgia definitely they played well at the end. They they earned the win, but Mizzou definitely did some things that they, they could have played better. They definitely could have closed it out, I think, and, and didn't do that, but I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, so Missouri going into this game, 30-point underdog. Um, we started out with Scott Van Pelt on ESPN picking Missouri to cover the spread against Georgia, and he said on his show it was him and nobody else, which was pretty much true. I picked Georgia to cover. I think you had Missouri covering, but we both had it being a not very competitive game. And it had all those feelings of an upset bid where it's like, okay, Missouri is kicking field goals, but we have a lead. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen that before. Missouri gets a 3-0 lead against Georgia. We literally saw that last year, I right. think. Energy was high, though, and the atmosphere yeah. was great. Yeah. Defense and was flying around. Right. And it's little by little like big positive plays for Mizzou kept being bigger and more exciting Mm -hmm. and giving you more optimism to the point where it's like, uh Oh, we've reached the point now where I think we can win this and I'm going to be devastated when we lose. For sure. Like, uh, I, we were not at this game. I was watching from home, but I mean, at halftime, you know, we were, we were winning, we were playing really well. I mean, I was physically like shaking with adrenaline, (laughs) like, I was like, oh my God, like this is the 100 percentile outcome of how this game could go. Like they'll play this game a hundred times and this might be the best possible outcome you would see in a hundred attempts. Yeah. And like we are living that like best case scenario right now. And like we have a chance to beat number one Georgia. And I was just, I kind of knew we wouldn't, but and I mean, honestly though, I expect Georgia to come out and dominate in the second half, and they really never did at yeah. any point. Like Missouri held the lead through the fourth quarter, into the fourth quarter, I should say, <laughs> not through the fourth quarter. Yeah, um, I think let's talk about Missouri's defense. Just kind of um, throughout the game, Georgia had they were forcing Georgia into a lot of third and long situations, and um, Georgia was actually think i wrote it down here somewhere um they were like four of 13 on third down and those four i feel like two of them i remember specifically being third and long and it being kind of a gut punch when they converted those Mm -hmm. but missouri's defense held up almost every single time until late into the fourth quarter yeah missouri's defense was holding them to field goals yeah early on in the game they were they they were getting pressure they got a few sacks like on third third and long Mm -hmm. There was one pretty crucial third and long where the Georgia receiver just dropped it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you're right. As the game went on, Georgia was getting better at converting those. And Missouri's defense was they grabbed the momentum early with the um, hopper uh, force fumble, mm-hmm. and Rakestraw just jumped on the ball. I loved seeing that of him not even trying to pick up the ball, just jump on it and yeah. secure the fumble. Mm-hmm. And it was the defense that kept the momentum on Missouri's side, the defense and Harrison Mavis. I mean, we've, we've said that before on the, like last year, um, late in the season. That's basically all we had. Mm -hmm. Um, 
there was a play. Uh, Dalen Carnell had another first half um, fumble recovery. That one was just a messed up handoff that he yeah. just picked up off the ground. Just literally dropped it. And if Stetson Bennett hadn't been there and realized what was going on, and that was a touchdown, he would have walked to the end zone. Ugh. I still, yeah, we were while well, we were watching it before this. Actually, uh, I still feel like I mean, obviously, you take what happened a hundred times, but. Uh, it almost felt like, come on, you can stiff arm the quarterback. Yeah. Like you got to just, just break that tackle and you're, you're just walking to the end zone. But yeah. But if he's thinking about that kind of stuff too much, he probably right. doesn't even like it's secure just, the fumble recovery. Exactly. Uh, you know, though, if he could have that back, if he could be in that play, knowing what's about to happen, yes. there's no way he lets him tackle him. No. Yeah. He's prepared to, to shake the tackler. I think he oh. easily does it. Um, I feel like the defense just, Every they were at every level. They were making impressive plays to, like, signal to the offense. I feel like, and to us watching at home, like we have a shot here. Like, yeah. if you can manufacture some manufacture some points, then you know they had something figured out against Georgia. They, yeah, Georgia was struggling to run the ball up the middle. Oh yeah, everything that they were getting was like on uh, misdirection, jet sweeps, and. Um, they were really having to work hard for their yards. Yeah. Um, I think Missouri really was the better team up front for most of the night, which I never in a million years would ever have thought that would happen on both sides of the ball. I thought Missouri played really, really well in the trenches. Um, yeah. It, I mean, Missouri's defense was awesome. I really didn't know Chad Bailey was gone. Uh, right. Devin Nicholson and um, – uh, Damian Wilson played mm-hmm. really, really well, kind of in substitution snaps. And then obviously Hopper is probably the star of the defense right now. Yeah. Um, Jeff Coat had, I think, one and a half uh, tackles for loss. They were tackling the running backs in the backfield. Yeah. And the secondary, I mean, we talked about Carnell. Jalen Carlisle was flying all over the field, making huge plays, huge hits. Yeah. Um, Chris Abrams Drain was playing good defense on the back end. Uh, yeah, I will say a couple notes on on Carlisle. I mean, especially late, he had some a couple of opportunities to really make some game changing plays and just like and he's just like a heat seeking missile. Yeah, but has trouble just like wrapping up sometimes where he just like wants to get hard hits and he does, but and he forces fumbles sometimes doing that. But he just I wish he would just wrap up sometimes because guys just every once in a while will bounce off of him. Yeah, there was one play in particular that actually was ended up being good for Missouri, but he like just hit the guy, and but then other Mizzou players yeah. actually made the tackle. But then when when Georgia's offense finally got going, and it was inevitable, they they had, I mean, somebody in the Discord when we were watching the game was like, "Is Georgia getting better as the game goes on?" And it's like, "Yeah, basically." That's what they do. That's at the very least. Missouri does not have the horses here. We've played awesome, but Georgia has the depth to keep their guys fresh, and they just have the best athletes. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's exactly what it looked like was Georgia. Um, in the fourth quarter, on their first touchdown drive, they basically laid it all out there. Um, their receivers made some plays. Stetson Bennett, he recovered from a shaky first half really well. and But still, Missouri's defense um, – stopped them on third and one like uh inside the 10 yard line and then they uh georgia which i feel like it was pretty uh, you could almost call it i think even the announcer did call it that they were going to try to go with like a sweep or something Mm -hmm. 
and they did that jet sweep. And that was where I think it was Carlisle actually meets the ball carrier before he gets the first down. Yes. But can't quite make it happen. That's a, that's the play I had in mind. Yeah. I was t- uh, talking about that earlier was just that play in particular. He literally made contact with the runner behind the first down line. But I don't expect him to make that but play, honestly. didn't wrap up and yeah. so just kind of bounced off of the runner and he, yeah. he fell forward. Yeah, that, I mean, talk when, about a legendary play. And pretty yes, uh, yes, and there was pretty clear uh, false start on that play as well. That oh they yeah. Missed. yeah, yeah. Oh, there were a couple. I mean, the false start. There were a couple holds. A lot of missed holds. There was a missed defensive pass interference. Uh, Luther Burden receiving. Yeah, that, that was, was frustrating. That was we kinda needed rough. some of those some of those things to go our way in a game like that. Oh, and the. The false, the missed false start there in that crucial situation, yeah, critical, and the mirroring the false start directly after Schrader's sixty-yard run to get down to the one-yard line. It's like that. The false start from Missouri, game-changing, changes the outcome. Yep. You know, and there's no guarantee that they score a touchdown after Schrader's run there at the one-yard line, sure. but you like their chances, and. There's no guarantee that Georgia doesn't score if they actually call the false start there. Yeah. But, man. Definitely some haunting plays for sure. Where it's just like, man, if we get – like, if if Schrader just finds a way to get one yard further and score on that play, you know, just those kind of – there's there was just several of those, like, what-ifs where, you know, if he scores a touchdown there, I'm pretty sure Missouri goes up 20-3. to three. Yeah. Like, that is a pretty substantial lead. And I'm not saying that they hold it, but – and that changes things, but I did one more thing before we move on. Uh, before we move on, I was gonna say the defense just from the get go was like up to the challenge. Like in the pregame, they got in like a little scrum, you know. Mm-hmm. Like Georgia mm-hmm. was kind of talking smack, and uh, some of the defensive linemen for Mizzou, like you know, weren't too happy with that. And I just, I don't know. I feel like at the time when I kind of saw that was happening on Twitter, I was like, oh, okay, just like give them a reason to take this game seriously but i just i love that they were just ready um and they didn't back down whatsoever and blake baker talked about that he was like you know i think he did a good job of being like yeah we're not trying to uh you know cause a scene in pregame but also our guys are not gonna just lay down they're gonna let you know you know we're we're actually here to compete Mm -hmm. and if you're gonna be saying stuff pregame expect them to have a response yeah and they responded on the field too. I mean, I hats off to the defense. Honestly, they for sure did their part. Yeah, and some. I mean, like the defense was the, the only thing they could have done better is score a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and they could have. But oh well. <laughs> uh, yeah, the defense was like the most solid part of of the night. They were the the most successful um, unit on the field. But maybe the most like encouraging thing was the way the offense looked at times. Like. I mean that the offense has been our Achilles heel this season, like obviously. Yeah. But Dominic Lovett looked fantastic before he kind of got banged up. Um, had a great first half. Uh, Mookie Cooper caught a really big um, deep pass. Like Brady Cook, I, this was probably his best game he's played, all things considered. Had some really good plays um, where he was kind of had to improvise and get out of the pocket and like actually make a play and not just you know follow the the script of whatever the play is like he he was forced to, to make a play and, and was able to do that at times yeah I feel like um I would probably agree best game for Brady Cook but without a doubt 
the first half was the best half that yeah, he has played sure. as a Missouri Tiger. And I wish he could have been a little bit closer to that in the second half. Um, I did break it down here. So first half, Brady Cook, 14 of 18 for 129 yards and a touchdown. Second half, 6 of 14, 63 yards. And I feel like a lot of that's Dominic Love. It wasn't really out there much yeah. in the second half. Uh, that yeah, really hurt he us. didn't have a catch in the second half. I mean, yeah, he, yeah, he was out basically yeah. the entire second half. Um, Love it, six catches for 84 yards all in the first half. Yep. So, He's yeah, good. you never know what uh, – there was a, a couple plays early where Brady Cook was like, you know, rolling out of the pocket, extending the play with his legs and keeping his eyes downfield, found Love it twice at yeah. the – at the sideline yeah that's that's kind of some mind meld stuff you'd like to see i mean that takes uh, coordination obviously from brady cook to improvise long enough to you know avoid the the rush and everything but dominic love it too to kind of get creative and get open and yeah um so they were working together really well on a couple of those plays yeah um on one of the replays that espn showed you could the angle was perfect you see love it like signal to brady like i'm gonna be open here and he just like backpedals a little bit into yep. the open spot yeah really yeah, good i mean stuff. that's just the stuff that unfortunately takes experience playing together and the only way you get experience is doing it in the game and in, in real games that count and you got to take your lumps i guess before you figure some of that stuff out but you know the offense definitely encouraged me in this game that they they have the ability to improve and mm-hmm. I, I think they are getting better and i'm not saying they're ever going to be good at any point this season but hopefully they can get to a point where um, we can win games against good opponents um, if, if the defense continues to play as good as they have been the touchdown to Tyler Stevens was uh, honestly like a yeah. really well uh, really well done play design and yes. execution was oh, yeah. just perfect yeah beautiful play design kind of yeah. looked uh, Stevens kind of out there looking like he was just going to block for a screen the screen drew both defenders and mm-hmm. he was wide open it yeah. was just perfect play calling um yeah wish we wish uh cook could have done more in the second half um running backs looked pretty good uh, schrader had the huge run uh pete nine rushes for 37 yards but he had some really tough runs in the second half to um basically give mizzou better uh field position mm-hmm. just kind of i feel like when he or schrader is able to get like a just run for a first down early in a drive. It just kind of sets the tone a little bit. Like, okay, yeah, we yeah. we're we're not going three and out. We're gonna move the ball. Worst case scenario, we're um, gonna flip the field for the defense or mm-hmm. something. I don't know. It just it's like a little bit of a sigh of relief when yeah. we break off a decent run like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, Harrison Mevis five for five kicking field goals. Uh, he made kicks from 41, 49, 22, 52, and fifty five yards. Yeah, yeah, Mevis is definitely back and just makes you question even further what happened in the Auburn game, but I just need to put it behind me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, His first kick was a little questionable, like a little wobbly. Yeah. uh, But then the rest of them were just perfect. Yeah. Um, So before we – I feel like this is a pretty positive conversation, all things considered. Um, We're going to get – I'm going to take us to a little bit of a negative place regarding Missouri's last offensive possession and the execution and the just game planning there from Coach Drinkwitz. Yeah. Um, 
but before we get into that too much, I do want to emphasize this team was good enough to beat number one Georgia at home. And I know it didn't happen. And maybe this actually, maybe them losing by four is the best thing, best case scenario. Like this is the best finish we could hope for. But, you know, all it takes is Schrader finding the end zone there, not committing a false start. You know, it's again a situation where we played well enough to win, just needed a couple more things to go our way. Yeah, self-inflicted stuff for sure. But, and I know we're, we're going to talk about that last drive here in a second, but just adding to the things that we could have done differently um, on Coach Drinkwood's behalf, I really feel like the offensive line was dominating up front and we didn't run enough in the second half. And I felt like the just with the push they were getting and the, the way the running backs were running, like and Georgia just didn't look all that interested in playing the defense they normally play. You just have to take advantage of that, especially in the rare situation that you're leading by two scores going into the fourth quarter. I just feel like, man, you have got to be doing everything you can to keep that clock moving, shorten the game, just keep running if you're doing it even remotely well, which they were all game. Um, I think that's, that's something that's that's going to haunt me a little bit, thinking like what could have happened if we just kept running the ball, draining the clock. Yeah, so that brings us right into that last uh, Missouri possession. But to add to what you're saying, um, Missouri had run the ball 14 times at halftime. In the first half, they ran the ball 14 times. They finished the game with 21 rushes. Yeah. Only They only ran the ball two times two rushes in the fourth quarter and i just feel like it's that line where you're walking where it's like you know okay let's say they do run a bunch and still lose somehow then i feel like we're saying i feel like we played scared and we just tried and we just try not to lose yes yeah so it's like i and i feel like we have done that with coach drinkwitz and so and he's almost referenced that after the game like oh yep we we tried we just played not to lose and so it's like man that line at least against the number one team in the country that line is very thin yeah and i feel like no matter what we're probably complaining but it just seemed like man it's so obvious like we're we're snapping the ball with 20 seconds on the play clock yeah in the fourth quarter with a two score lead like yeah. what are we doing yeah yeah at that point even if you want to keep throwing the ball even if you only want to run the ball seven times in the second half you if the clock is running, you cannot be snapping the ball with more than 10 seconds on the play clock. Uh, that, yeah, that's got to be, that seems there's got to be like, a place between what he is called bunker mentality and, you know, playing uh, not to lose instead of to win. Yeah. There is, you have to be able to live in a space where you're doing things to hold on to a victory, but not yes. playing to not lose. And then I feel like that's on the coach to try to figure out what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so Missouri took over took over possession of the ball with four minutes left um, in the fourth quarter. Four minutes left in the game. This was right after Georgia had put together two long touchdown drives. First touchdown drive for Georgia required a fourth and one conversion that we talked about. That's what it came to for Georgia to be able to score a touchdown in this game. Uh, but then on their second touchdown drive they took the lead 26 22 with four minutes left in the game missouri took over through three incomplete passes and punted the ball with three minutes and 45 seconds left in the game 
and we did not get the ball back. And I said that in Discord. Yes, I was like, did. Missouri's not getting the ball and back. I think we all knew it. And it I was and like, and I mean, at the same time, it's like, can we go for this on fourth and 10 on our own 20? Well, it's that's like, when it's almost too far gone. Right. Like the like game we plan. We should not be in this situation. Yeah. You get the ball with four minutes left and three timeouts. You, you're down by four. You got it. In my mind, I'm thinking, perfect. We're going to have a four-minute drive to score a touchdown and win this game. Yeah. And do not let Georgia have the ball back. Yeah. And that means the entire playbook is open. We can run the ball multiple times and get us in a fourth and less than 10, and we're going for it. Yep. Yeah, that had to be four down territory really no matter what at that point and but they didn't give themselves the opportunity to go for it in a reasonable fourth down situation it's like it's like he thought it's like they thought they could just get a first down and then decide like let's let's air it out a little bit get a chunk here and then let's figure out what we want to do which really wasn't what we were doing well in that game for the most part and haven't all season yeah, so and had plenty of time, really more than enough time. Well, that's to the score. thing is Drink said after the game that he thought the play there was to play two for one possessions. I, I just I can't even fathom that. When it's been very difficult for you to score a touchdown in this game, and Georgia just showed that they are at a place with their offense where they're probably going to be able to score if they want to. Yes. I can't imagine thinking we win this game despite Georgia getting the ball one more time. Yeah, you're telling me if you could go back and do it again, you would throw three passes again <laughs> when we're running the ball this well yeah. and we and it's four down territory no matter what unless unless we're just fourth and 10 on our own 20, that's yeah. about the only situation we don't go for it on fourth. Right. Like you have to give yourself a more reasonable chance. And it's really a shame. I mean, the the Missouri played so well and I feel like the game planning and everything looked so good. The play calling was good, execution was good. Um, the defense carried things, especially in the second half, and then just couldn't quite make the defense needed one more game changing play. Yeah. And they just didn't quite have it, but we can't expect them to just constantly be flipping the momentum. And it just sucks that we're down to, again, questioning what Drinkwitz is doing there in that situation. Yeah. It does seem like almost every game we're, we're coming out of it, like with a pretty obvious thing that we disagree with him doing game plan wise in crucial moments. And that that's a little, that's a little disappointing, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's easy enough to get over that one because yes, again, the circumstance. Yeah. And what you're still asking the Missouri offense to do there. Sure. I mean, I was, I was pretty deflated after Georgia took the, I think we all, we all kind of knew it just wasn't going to happen at that point, but I don't know. Um, Drink said something in his press conference after the, you know the earlier this week that you know he said something like, uh, you know this that atmosphere was what I dream of when we're building this program, and that honestly was just kind of like, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Like that kind of just like made my heart happy. Like, yeah, I, I think I'm still I'm still behind you here. Like, I believe in you. I believe in Mizzou. And this, we're capable of this. Like we, we can do this. We can, we can beat good teams in here. We can have a, a dang good atmosphere. And um, at the same know. time, this is uh, this should not change what people, how people think the rest of the season is going to go. I mean, it 
we still are going to lose more games this year. Oh yeah. And um, but if the team is coming out and showing that they care and mm-hmm. they're going to do whatever they can do to win this game week in week out then even if the record's not great at the end of the year i'll still feel optimistic about the future mm-hmm. and i'll point back to this georgia game as like this is a glimpse of us being where we need to be right yep it it felt like we we can get here and we, we I, we're gonna do it and yeah. this is a, a turning point and I really, really hope that's actually true. And it wasn't just a whole, the whole thing wasn't a fluke. Right. I really hope that this, this past weekend was kind of a turning point in the Drinkwitz era and things are kind of looking up. I think so. And there, I, again, they will have to lay down in multiple games the rest of the season. Like from now to the end of the season, there'd have to be some pretty bad performances for me to go back to thinking like I was after the Auburn game. But still, I would have been, you know, six and six, give or take a game all season long. I mean, since the preseason. So mm-hmm. maybe that doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, anything else from this game? Oh, uh, did you, you, I'm sure you saw the whole, uh, another aspect of this whole thing was just Mizzou playing the number one team, having the lead. That was like if you're in Mizzou Twitter or even sports Twitter, that was the story Saturday night, which oh, yeah. was super fun to be a part of. For sure. Um, Chase Daniel tweeted that he would cover everybody's tab at Harpo's for like the first two hour for like a two hours period or something if Mizzou pulled off the upset. Yeah. And what's even better than that is um, like at halftime or something, people were questioning him like oh you how are you feeling about this and he was like this is awesome like i want to <laughs> yes. pay for everybody's drinks so bad mm-hmm. and uh like big cat was getting involved yes in uh, from yeah pardon my take he was like i'll i'll do uh, he was like i'll match it yeah and then, and then he was he like he was, was getting very it. worried yes, yes. <laughs> but uh chase daniel was like yeah well you're in this now like, yeah we want him to win oh yeah be, as a as a member as a proud member of mizzou twitter uh Man, those kind of games are really fun. I mean, just like there's people that I, I feel like no matter what happens in the Mizzou game, there's certain followers that w- we'll see show up on every tweet no matter mm-hmm. what. But mm-hmm. like when Mizzou starts getting national attention with what they're doing, like there's people coming out of the woodwork, like yeah. people I've never seen on Twitter, like interacting <laughs> with us on Twitter and everything. It's it's fun. And, and Saturday was was a lot of fun for sure. Um, Harrison Mevis was very popular on Twitter Saturday night. Oh, man, his little like march yes. that he did. That was hilarious. I wanted to mention all that because that is that's uh, that's part of the game experience yeah. in 2022. I, yeah, and I know some of our, our listeners were at the, were there at the game, and, and you know some of them were saying they lost their voice early in the game, and you know people were saying their ear it was just like it was so loud their ears were ringing and stuff in there. Like you just you love to hear that. Yes, mm, that's what it's all about. All right, um, moving on. Unfortunately. I just want to. I want to live in that moment. I want to live in the like third quarter of yes, that football or that, game. Like that moment that Tyler Stevens caught that touchdown yes. pass to go up ten to zero. Like mm-hmm. I just want to capture that moment and just be in that those mm-hmm. feels mm-hmm. forever. But unfortunately, we have to go to Gainesville and play the Florida Gators. Uh, Florida this season is three and two, but zero oh and two in the SEC, and it is our first time with new head coach Billy Napier 
who had coached at Louisiana previously. Um, a little bit about Florida. Billy Napier does call the plays. And honestly, if you watch a Florida game, uh, if they were wearing Mizzou jerseys, it would look a lot like Eli Drinkwitz offense. There's a lot of pre-snap motion and, um, you know, multiple guys, basically like formation shifts, pre-snap to try to throw the defense off. So that was one thing that Georgia was doing well, I feel like, was reacting to Missouri's adjustments that Missouri's offense was making. It seemed like Georgia was able to make their shifts to not give up a huge play. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to need to be seeing that from Missouri in this one. Um, Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson, he is a playmaker, but he has struggled with accuracy this year. I think like 56% completion percentage, four touchdown passes to six interceptions, but he also has run for 250 yards and five touchdowns. So Mm -hmm. he can do a little bit of everything, but he's still young and a little bit raw and is prone to a mistake here and there. So I think the opportunity for Missouri's defense, I think. Yeah, I could definitely see this game going a number of ways. I mean, yeah, uh, he's super talented. Like, he's really fun to watch that Florida's quarterback. Um, he's probably going to be great at some point. Um, but, and has, has had some great moments already, even in this, you know, in the young season. But um, totally, totally different challenge than, uh, than Stetson Bennett, um, for sure. Yeah, Georgia's offense, and that's how we were able to get them off uh, their game was they rely on getting positive yards every down. And I feel like Florida is a little bit more big, pl- like, yeah, home you know, run. yeah, yep. big play or bust situation. Yep. So yeah, I think Missouri's defense could do something with that. Um, Florida's defense. I think it, I think they're going to basically try to make Brady cook beat them. And, if he can find a little bit of running room, if he can extend plays, but then take off for first down here and there. And if he can find receivers over the middle, I really think that's going to be Florida's game plan on defense is to bottle up the run and make Brady cook beat him. Yeah. I, I was really surprised at how well the run game was getting going against Georgia. I think I'd be surprised if we saw that happen again against Florida Dominic Lovett's questionable for this game with, you know, with the same injury he left the game in against Georgia. So we really need him to play. I mean, he's he is what's making the offense go at mm-hmm. this point. Like we really need him out there whether he's making the play himself or he's, you know, diverting the attention away from whoever is getting the ball. He is instrumental in what we're trying to do on offense right now. With just one half against Georgia, he's still number one in the SEC for receptions and receiving yards. Yeah. Almost has 100 yards on second place. Yep. He's breaking out. Um, <laughs> I don't think – I don't know if Brady Cook can do it on the road. If this game was at home, I think I maybe pick Missouri to win this game. Brady Cook has struggled on the road, and if he doesn't have love it, I think it might be a pretty ugly day for Missouri's offense. Maybe the offensive line can get something going in the running game, even if Florida is planning on it. I just don't know. I think it'll be ugly. Probably multiple turnovers from both teams. That's what we're going to need from the defense anyway. Yeah, to turn them over. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Missouri's going to win this game on the road. It's it's certainly uh, it's certainly a winnable game. It's it's not impossible. And you know, I think Florida they have great athletes. Um, 
but you know like you said they have the potential to to unravel a little bit um and they are and they are pretty raw in some of their key positions so i don't know i think uh i i see florida winning this game like 34 to 20 what do you think about that yeah i think uh i think that's probably pretty accurate um Billy Napier is going to be – I think he's going to be good there. Yeah, unfortunately. I think you're right. Um, I think probably you're very close to what I was going to say, but I might say it's a little bit closer game. Give me Florida 32-23. to 23. What's the spread? Do we know? Let me see. 11? That's, yeah, that sounds right. 11. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be close to that. Remember that game in like 2014 or something at Florida when like we I don't even know if we scored like an offensive touchdown and we <laughs> yeah. won like 42 to whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like Marcus Murphy had like a punt return touchdown and a kickoff return touchdown, and we had an interception return touchdown. Yes, and like a fumble return touchdown. Every way you could score wow. except for just the offense scoring, we yeah. did it. Yeah. yeah, that was one of the strangest games ever. Yeah, Matty Mock had like 100 yards passing. Like the offense had like 200 total yards, but we scored 42 points. I don't know how we won the East that year. What a strange, like a totally anemic offense. Yeah. We would just have this one random, like Jimmy Hunt, like touchdown where he would just like break one and that would be like the only offense of the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we were, Marcus Murphy was yeah like was a awesome. weapon all over the field. Yep. Uh, yeah. I've got, I've got Missouri losing, but I think Florida is not, the type of team that's going to run away with any sec games this year yeah and i, I, I feel like missouri yeah. it's trending like we can just kind of be competitive against these guys so yeah. show up see what happens that's yeah. what we did saturday just do it again defense gonna have to play out of, your, out of your minds again probably but they seem perfectly happy to do that yeah i still think though if brady cook can put two halves together like the first half against georgia then we're we're in business the offense could actually get going. Are we going to see Luther Burden kind of kind of break out in one of these games? Not break out necessarily, but just like, are we going to see him have a game? Have a pop-off game? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. One of these game, one of these SEC games, it'll be the Luther Burden show. That'll be that'll be fun. Yeah. He'll at least, uh, you know, I, I could see him having a nice, like, seven-catch, 120-yard game with a touchdown or something. Mm-hmm. Florida would be uh, this Saturday would be a good time to do that. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Um, I did with with love it though. I mean, it's just another example of like you said, just take some time. You got to develop the relationships between yes. the quarterback and his weapons. He's got to be able to know where the guy's going to be. Yeah, we will see that more and more. I think. All right, so we got Missouri losing, but I still feel much better about everything yeah, after the georgia too. game and i i mean i don't know where the team's at as far as their performance from saturday surely they're encouraged even though they lost um you know it was gonna it was i was curious to see how they would react from the auburn game like getting mm-hmm. their souls snatched out of their bodies like and how they would like show up against the number one team the following week and obviously they were more than ready to go I don't really that's a testament to the coaching yeah I don't really have like locker room concerns or anything no. like whatsoever I really feel like the team's on board with what the coaches want them to do 
feel like the guys are like energetic and like excited to go out there and play. Um, you know, I, it, they could definitely turn the momentum that they had against Georgia into a great game on Saturday. That's and it would be great and very refreshing to see them play well on the road against a good team because they just don't really do that very often. Yeah, and um, we've talked about it multiple times this season and like going back to our preseason previews and stuff, these other teams in the SEC are going to be, it's an arms race. I mean, mm-hmm. they are not going to tolerate anything but stellar play. And I think many of these schools have coaches and staffs in place that are just going to get better yeah, and over the next three or four for seasons. For sure. And, and, honestly, and, and within this season, kind of feel like Missouri has lost their ability to for the other team to sleepwalk into the game like Mm -hmm. Georgia clearly that first half they were sleepwalking like not respecting Missouri at all I think after that performance last week they've gotten everyone's attention Uh, unfortunately probably Florida is is paying attention as well yeah I agree with you Let's see a good game, and let's pick some games. We'll do SEC Pick'em plus Nebraska. Um, this looks like some fun matchups this week. Uh, last week, everybody kind of did bad. Producer Cameron, take it away. Yeah, there. we only had five games last week, so no one scored a ton of points. Uh, Cameron had two, Kyle had three, I had three, and our guest pickers had three. Our season totals are Cameron has 33, Kyle 37, the guest. I do this every time. Kyle 36, the guest pickers 37, I have 41. Okay. Um, I wanted to look at the. I want to look at the finishes from last week real quick in the SEC. Um, man, that Kentucky Ole Miss game. I needed Kentucky to pull that one out. <laughs> they couldn't do anything in the fourth quarter. And then Texas A&M just looks bad. They got beat they're fraudulent Mississippi State dare I say just, just constantly fraudulent yeah every year all right what do we have this week first game is number eight Tennessee at number 25 LSU Tennessee is a three-point favorite LSU tried to mess around and lose to Auburn last week oh yeah Auburn got up to like 17 to 0 lead or something yeah yeah, they like doing that. Auburn likes getting up double digits. I and was surprised that, um, yeah, they do. I was surprised that Auburn was playing that well in that game. It kind of makes you feel a little bit better, maybe, about Mizzou hanging with them. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Eh, eh. I think uh, they still suck. I think Tennessee wins on the road oh, and, yeah. and covers. I agree. Give me Tennessee. Who's our guest picker? Did you already say? No, our guest picker this week is Britt. All right, welcome in. Good luck. And I will take Tennessee. Who did Britt take? LSU. Okay. <clears throat> Going for the bonus points. Godspeed. That, oh. I mean, that is kind of the game that Tennessee would lose, though. Like mm, They're pretty good. Yeah. Unfortunately. LSU's a hard place to play. But that is true. 11 a.m. kick. That is also true. Next. Stand Pat? Yeah, yeah. All right. Arkansas at number 23, Mississippi State. Mississippi State is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Arkansas sucks now. They Give, were good. I hope. Give me Arkansas. Oh. Oh, okay. I kind of thought about it, but uh, Mississippi State, I uh, put my faith in them last week, and they uh, 
they treated me right. So I go, I'll, I'll stick with them. Ooh. Um, what Brit do? Brit takes Mississippi State. I'll take. Uh, I'll take Arkansas. Oh Ooh, yeah, man. Oh, that'll be a f- that'll be fun. <laughs> that'll be fun watching that. One. Mississippi State nine and a half. That's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I am surprised by that. Next up is Auburn at number two. Number two, formerly oh, number yeah. one Georgia. Knocked them off. Wow, get out of there. <laughs> Georgia's a thirty-point favorite. Georgia by a million, right? Yeah. Oh, they're going to... They're back. Yeah. Poor Auburn. They're going to feel the wrath. Georgia back at home. They're going to pour one out for them. Yeah. Pour one out for Auburn. F's in the chat for Auburn. (laughs) Everybody's on Georgia. Oh, yeah. Number nine, Ole Miss at Vanderbilt. Ole Miss is a 17-point favorite. What's Vanderbilt been up to? I don't even know. <laughs> Probably losing. What have they been up to? Uh, they lost to Alabama uh, and they haven't two played, weeks ago. haven't played since then. Okay. Yeah, 55-3 to three, they lost to Alabama. Ooh, that's nice. not very competitive. I'm. It's going to be similar, I think. You, uh, you're, you kind of like Vanderbilt, don't you? Or you I did. did. I mean. And then they played Alabama and lost, and you don't like them anymore? Well, they lost to Wake Forest pretty bad at home. And Northern Illinois kind of gave them a game. That's true. Um, yeah, I was. What really, have they actually done? That's they, good. They hung sixty-three points on Hawaii. Okay. In Hawaii. Ooh. In wow, in yeah. Hawaii, wow. Something about that. The beauty of Hawaii just really supercharged them to that performance. And then they beat Elon, uh, forty-two to thirty-one. That's true. That was impressive. Wake so, Forest was ranked though. That's true. <clears throat> yeah, Ole Miss by a lot, I think. Yep. Yep. Vanderbilt might not actually be good. <laughs> What's Vanderbilt been up to? <laughs> All right, everybody on Ole Miss. South Carolina at number 13, Kentucky. Kentucky is a 10-point favorite. Did you know? Did you realize like how highly ranked Will Levis was in like the NFL draft conversation? Like, okay, I mean, I I knew he had you know had a good season last year. I can see how he would be a good prospect. Heck of an arm, big arm, like kind of a bigger guy, but. I mean, they were talking about him when I was watching some of that game last week. Like, he could potentially be the number one quarterback drafted. Uh, that, I don't think that's going to happen. Was that just happen. a little dramaticism because they were calling the game I think so. he was playing in? Yeah. Now, I, this could be a, a cold take in the future, but I see him as your prototypical uh, team needs a quarterback but doesn't have a top three pick, so they trade up way too far to take him, and he's not actually the answer in the mm-hmm. NFL. Mm-hmm. If a team would draft him like early second round and like not put too many ex- expectations on him, he could probably be a good NFL quarterback. I saw somebody tweeted, uh, uh, "Will Levis seems like the guy that's going to get a whole front office fired someday." Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. Uh, but South Carolina, that we talked about them at the beginning of the year as a team that kind of has that like we might completely unravel factor yeah and they've done that yeah so give me whoever they're playing kentucky sounds good south carolina though coming off two big wins back to back over charlotte and south carolina state okay maybe that i'm a little scared now actually what's the line on this one i'll take kentucky 10 10 yeah give me kentucky for sure everybody got kentucky Texas A&M at number one, Alabama. 
Alabama is a 24-point favorite. I mean, this is the one that A&M <laughs> wins, right? This is the one where they just randomly show up and all of not their talent. In, not in Tuscaloosa. All of the think. talent, just all the stars align, and they have the best game of their lives all at the same time. I think I think you got to have a quarterback to do that. I don't know that Texas A&M has a quarterback. Well, Kellen Mond still doesn't play for them? Uh, no, he's on my fantasy I, roster. I was just joking. It's on my it taxi seemed, squad. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like he played there for 49 years. Yeah. Is there going to be any Nick Saban, uh, Jimbo drama? No, it's, they squashed it. They realized, like, hey, you know what? We can both be at the top of this system. We can both um, be rich. And system, so let's just go ahead and keep it that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. A&M's not good, I don't think. If they, if even if the stars align for this A and M team, mm-hmm. they do not win in Tuscaloosa. I feel like mm. I need some kind of really dramatic like stamp of like fraudulent and mm. like like if I could do that, if I have that ability or like something, it comes across the screen like yes, yeah. I would give mm. Texas A and M the stamp of fraudulent behavior. At this point, it kind of seems like you're giving the fraudulent stamp to Jimbo Fisher. Yes. Yeah. As a man. As just like the, considering the value of what you're getting for how much you're paying, mm. it's not good. They fired Kevin Sumlin for having the identical record to Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> Where, so what's, far. What's he doing these days? Uh, good question. Probably not even in football. But uh, I read something insane. Like if they tried to fire Jimbo Fisher, <laughs> they would owe him like $40 million or something. I'm not even joking. <laughs> I think I saw that. They're deep in the culture. Yeah. At this point, forty million. I, that's, that's a real number that I saw. Astronomical. No wonder he's trying to lose. <laughs> are we just doing? I mean, our coaches are just doing this now. They are getting the extension. Did and we just figure it sucking. out? Did just we just figure that out? Just turning it off. Yeah. I think we did. That makes way more sense now. That makes so much sense. But then maybe, but then the buyout, the whole just buyout structure is just yeah. Effed. Yeah, and maybe maybe it's the agents. They're they're like, hey, you know what? It doesn't even matter if you win because we'll just do this contract and bada bing bada boom, never have to work again. Just for fun, he is currently the head coach and general manager for the Houston Gamblers of the USFL. Oh yeah, Kevin Sumlin. I think I, I do remember seeing that now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about Jimbo. No, no, no. no. I was like, how Sumlin. is that even legal? <laughs> uh, Kevin Sumlin, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Jimbo Fisher's the general manager and he just like sends all the A&M players there. <laughs> His name is Jimbo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hardly even a name. Yeah, give me Alabama. Alabama. Everybody got him. All right. Last but not least. Last and least. And maybe least, except maybe in this game. Nebraska at Rutgers. Is, is, is Greg Schiano still the coach of Rutgers? Yeah. Rutgers all day. Uh, now, Nebraska won last week, right? Yes. Who did they beat? Indiana. Indiana. Oh, how embarrassing. But Connor they were Bayslack. at home. Yeah. Nebraska's a three-point favorite. On the road. Oh, yeah. Oh, give me the underdog. Greg Schiano. They're winning that game. It's at Rutgers. Yeah. Give me Nebraska. Yeah, give me Rutgers. Britt takes Nebraska. Oh, oh my just goodness. A classic two on two. That is the best thing that could I could have heard. Two versus two mini game. <laughs> Zero chance Nebraska's winning that game. Oh man. All right. Well, good luck to everyone. <laughs> Nebraska's they're not winning. See you guys on the gridiron.
Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Lewis Hernandez, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Garofalo, Brandon Hanks. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter, at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. I feel like you can just clap, but then you can still just play the video. Oh, I, I gotta say my other thing. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you next week.